listening to the Fantasy Shed On Air podcast. Everything you need to win your league. And now, your host, Rich Piazza. What's up, everybody? Thanks for listening to Fantasy Shed On Air. I am Rich Piazza, and today we're talking 2019 NFL Combine winners and losers. Uh, Before we get into all of that, just a couple of notes that are taking place or you might have heard over the weekend and today in the NFL, you have the fact that the Houston Texans have placed a franchise tag on Jadavian Clowney. No surprise there. No surprise that the Dallas Cowboys have placed the same tag for the second straight year on Demarcus Lawrence. The Seahawks have placed a tag on Frank Clark. So there you have three pass rushers that automatically are now off the table for teams like the New York Jets that really need a pass rush talent. But on the flip side, Justin Houston is going to be released by the Kansas City Chiefs and not tagged. They use the tag on D Ford and they are looking to trade him. And Justin Houston with a big contract is going to be released by the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, In addition, a lot of talk around the fact that Kyler Murray, who didn't do much of anything here, not here, I'm not in Indianapolis, but didn't do much of anything while in Indianapolis at the Combine. Um, A lot of talk with him and the Arizona Cardinals with the number one overall pick, and that would mean that they are looking to trade last year's first-round pick, Josh Rosen. And you hear that the Redskins are in contact and are interested in Rosen. The Dolphins, which I think would make the most sense, interested in Rosen. And the Dolphins have also contacted the Redskins regarding Ryan Tannehill. So a little triangle there between those three teams. Uh, You know, Miami trying to send Tannehill to Washington this way they can go and pounce on Josh Rosen. Uh, so we'll see about that. And in Oakland, uh, despite what they say about Derek Carr being their franchise quarterback, there is reports that they have high interest in Kyler Murray as well, which really means nothing if the Arizona Cardinals do since Oakland picks fourth and Arizona picks first. So just a couple things that have been going on over the weekend. You've also heard uh, yesterday um, on Sunday or Saturday over the weekend that the Jets have very little interest in Le'Veon Bell. Now you hear today that they are undeniably the favorite to sign Le'Veon Bell. So, you know, at this time, the start of the new league year, still a couple weeks away, about a week and a half away, you you have your, your reporters that you like, you have your sources that you like to follow and... You believe them if you want to. I think everything that is said now has to be taken with a grain of salt one way or another. Um, Things could be true or things can be be completely false. And this is the time of year it is. Everyone is is sending leaks out one way or another. Teams are, agents are, players are, because they want to gain that edge. So with that said, let's move into, I want to keep this as short as possible. I know Time is very valuable. So let's look at some combine losers first to begin with. And I am going to start with the running back position. I'll start with Devin Singletary, running back out of Florida Atlantic. 
I had a pre-combine rank of number five for running backs. I have a comp of Aaron Jones. When I look at Devin Singletary, I thought his game film was impressive. I thought he showed a good first step with burst, speed, vision, and good footwork. He can get skinny through the holes. And obviously, there's no denying his nose for the end zone with his 66 touchdowns in three years, which is impressive regardless of the competition. He did struggle a little more against the better-ranked defenses. So I liked what I saw when I was watching Singletary, and I felt that he really needed to have a good workout in Indianapolis to advance his draft capital. He is an undersized running back at only five foot seven. Um, but as far as the combine goes, he ran a 4.66 40-yard dash, only only 15 reps on the bench press, which is tied for the second worst with David Montgomery, who is another top name running back in this class. So I don't think he did much to help his cause here. Uh, I think he did hurt it more than he helped it. Again, especially being an undersized running back to begin with, you want those little guys to um, have have the breakaway speed. And uh, I think he did show it more in his tape than he did at the Combine. So I, I hope he has a good bounce back pro day so we can get you know, back on the radar and, and, and hope to be a day two pick for uh, somebody. I mentioned David Montgomery, the running back out of Iowa State, and depending on which board you look at, he could be one, he could be two. Some have him lower. I right now have him three. I might even lower him past that. And the thing with the running back position, and I'll, I'll say this about the uh, tight ends as well in a little bit, but... There's no superstar in this draft class. We don't have the Saquon Barkleys or the Ezekiel Elliott's, Todd Gurley's, Christian McCaffrey's. We don't have those guys. We don't have the guys that say, this team needs a running back. This is who they should draft at this spot. I don't think that's there. I think I wouldn't be surprised at all if there are no running backs selected in the first round of this draft. And I wouldn't be surprised if there are two. Well, three running backs selected in the first round of this draft. With that said, I think there's a lot of good players, players that can have good NFL careers, whether it is as a starter, whether it is as a backup, or in a committee with somebody. But there's nobody that really stands out to me, and that includes Josh Jacobs, who most people have as their number one ranked running back prospect. In fact, right now for me, He's number seven. Um, I have to see once I uh, reconfigure my rankings based upon what took place this past weekend. If he goes up or down, I'll probably go up a little bit based on who I want to bring down, but still not number one for me. So continuing with uh, my combine losers, Elijah Holyfield out of Georgia. You'll see his name on a lot of these winners, losers lists. If you're uh, reading up on that from other, other sites, um, he, and I really wanted him to do well. I had him as my number six overall running back pre-combine, which was already a lot higher than most. I just felt that he was just such a powerful runner. He's not one that has a lot of speed. He's not somebody that 
you're going to be wowed by his breakaway speed or anything like that. I just felt he was such a powerful runner, and he pretty much did that. He did his 26 reps on the bench, which is fine, but everything else was not good, and what's really troubling, and again, not his forte, but it was really troubling, is his 40 time, 4.78, okay? And that's like a fullback, if not worse, and you had all but seven tight ends who worked out this weekend. All but seven had a better 40 time than Elijah Holyfield. 16 defensive linemen ran a better 40 time than Elijah Holyfield. So this 4.78 is just terrible. It's worse than I was expecting. Uh, Again, speed was not his thing to begin with, but I was not expecting a 4.78. I mean, that is just terrible. So... I really hope that the son of the former heavyweight champ, Evander Holyfield, I really hope that he bounces back nicely. But right now, you're looking at probably a fifth to sixth round pick based on um, his workout this past weekend. Moving on to offensive tackle. And there's a lot more. I have a lot more winners in this combine than I do losers. So I kind of want to quickly run through these losers a little bit faster. Greg Little, who... A year ago, a little over a year ago, was thought of as an early first-round pick, the offensive tackle out of Ole Miss. He's definitely taken a big hit over the past year, and his struggles continue, and he keeps sliding further and further and further down draft boards. Um, Wouldn't be surprised at all if he's a back end of a second-round pick, although you could see teams um, hoping that he regains his form to the previous couple years, not including 2018 and maybe get him in the beginning of the second round, but I think he has worked his way out of the first round for sure. Um, Jonah Williams has not done that. He's still a first-round pick, in my opinion, but he too, he's sliding down a little bit, and there are a couple offensive tackles that I'll mention in a little while as winners that I think are overtaking Jonah Williams as as the top spot, if if not already. So Jonah Williams out of Alabama, I think he's taking a hit. He should still go in the first round, I would imagine. But, of course, you just never know what these things. Uh, Wide receiver losers. I didn't really care too much for for Kelvin Harmon out of of North Carolina State. I didn't care too much for little Jordan Humphrey out of Texas. Um, Very disappointing in in Humphrey's 40 time as well. Um, So just a couple guys who... uh, you know, Harmon, you can mock, has some mocks where he's in the first round. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, we'll see what happens over the next few weeks, though. So let's move on to some winners. And not much going on as far as the quarterbacks, but I did like what Drew Locke did. I thought he ran better than expected. He showed off that big arm that everyone knows he has. He showed a really nice touch on the deep routes, and he should be the third quarterback drafted in the NFL draft in April. And it wouldn't be surprised me if, depending on how free agency works out, if that's going to be in the top 15, depending, like I said, who goes where in the free agent shuffle and the trade market based on um, Arizona, as mentioned before, and Miami. So I mentioned a couple offensive tackles that have or could jump Jonah Williams out of Alabama has the top offensive tackles in this draft. And that's, Andre Dillard from Washington State and Jawan Teller from Florida. Uh, Both of these guys were considered first-round picks prior to the combine, and they didn't do anything that would 
they otherwise, I think they are still first round picks. They might have even done something to help themselves a little bit more with the combine. Nothing exciting, nothing uh, that wowed you, but I think they had solid combines. And like I said, if they haven't already on some boards, they probably will. By the time the draft happens, they probably will overtake Jonah Jonah Williams um, as the top two uh, tackles in this draft. One player that not many people had in the first round, and I still don't know if he's a first-round pick, but definitely more eyes are on him, and that's Garrett Bradbury, uh, the center at North Carolina State. He was towards the top in every combine activity he participated in, except for the broad jump. But other than that, you're talking top three in the 40, number two in the bench press, uh, top 10 in the vertical jump, number one in the three-cone drill, top 10 in 20-yard shuttle, Anything he he participated in, except for the broad jump, he was towards the top of the list. Really got a lot of eyes on him, really making a name for himself, and he's making a strong push now heading into the late April for his case to really uh, be a first-round pick. He can start right away. He's an experienced player, and I'm I'm happy for him. I, I hope he continues to improve and has a strong pro day, depending on what he does there as well. But Garrett Bradbury, a name that a lot of eyes are going to be on over the next few weeks. As far as tight ends, Noah Font, TJ Hawkinson, both out of Iowa State. And depending on what board you're looking at, I already had Font as the first tight end on the board. I had Hawkinson at three, which I'm moving up now, and I'm dropping who I had between them, and that was Irv Smith Jr., so Hawkinson now goes to two. So now that's a one and two Iowa State tight ends as the top two tight ends on my board. Um, as I mentioned earlier with running backs, and I said I was going to bring this up with tight ends, I don't know if this is the draft because it is so deep at that position. And that could actually hurt these guys. It could hurt these guys in the sense that there are a lot of good tight ends in this draft. And... Teams may not want to pay that first-round price knowing or thinking that they can go and grab somebody else in the second and third and even fourth rounds. With that said, that's why you know having such a deep class like this, especially at these positions, running back and tight end, it could hurt when you have a lot of good players and there's no one superstar. There is no Rob Gronkowski that we know of yet in this class. These are good players that you can see. Noah Fon, I like a lot. But I do think um, if I had to guess, if somebody said, all right, you're either going to have two running backs or two tight ends drafted in the first round, what's it going to be? I'm going to say the tight end because of the way the league is. It's the passing league. Most teams want to have dual tight ends. So I think Fon and Hawkinson both are first-round picks. Could be first-round picks, but again, would not be surprised at all, um, if they fall out of the first round, not because of their talent, but because of the depth at the position. Uh, I also liked uh, uh, Hale Warning's uh, performance out of San Diego State. Guy is ripped. He just looks like a monster. Uh, he's shredded, basically. And Forster Moreau out of LSU had also a very good combine, so his stock is up as well. Uh, wide receivers, uh, I'm going to name a few, touch on a couple. Emmanuel Hall out of Missouri, Gary Jennings out of West Virginia had good combines. 
Really impressed with what I saw from Paris Campbell out of Ohio State and, of course, Miles Boykin out of Notre Dame. They improved their stock a little bit more than I expected. I was okay with other names that you've probably heard of, of Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, Keneal Harry. I thought they did okay. Um, you know, they held steady. Um, a lot of people did like what they saw out of Stanley Morgan, who I think is more of a law firm than anything else um, out of Nebraska. I'm a little neutral on him. I, I need to see a little bit more. I want to see what he does as pro day as well. Uh, I think he's going to be a serviceable wide receiver in the league, but nothing uh, crazy. Um, and then, of course, the name that has been trending on social media, DK Metcalf. I could probably do a whole show on DK Metcalf. So let me try to be brief about what I saw, what everybody saw on Saturday at the Combine. First of all, Metcalf was already my number one wide receiver on my board going into the weekend. And I already had him going top 10 in my first mock draft. I had him going number eight to Detroit. Now, you either love the guy or you think he's a complete bust. I don't really see many in-betweens, but that's but that's the feeling I get when I read comments on social media platforms regarding Metcalf and what he did. We've all seen the pictures of him. He's a monster. There's no denying his size, his strength. What we were curious about was his speed. And it was a major trending topic on Saturday when he ran a 4.33 40-yard dash. So now you have somebody with great size, great strength, and great speed. Those are traits that you cannot teach. And this is part of my argument as to why he's a first-round pick. Like I said, those things you can't teach. You saw him. They showed video of him on the phone with his mom afterwards. He was emotional. This guy cares. I read somewhere someone compared him to uh, Doriel Green Beckham, and that's just ridiculous. Green Beckham didn't want to get better. He didn't want to do what he needed to do. This guy does. And I'm curious to see how he did in the interview rooms. I'm sure he knocked it out of the park as well. So what's the issue with him? His route running is a question mark. His breaks in and out of cuts is a major question mark. Some are questioning his hands. But these are things that you can work on. This is why you have wide receiver coaches. These are things that when you get to the NFL, you have the best of the best coaching you can work on. The things that he already possesses, you can't. So if you're a team and you're drafting this guy, you're doing so based on his measurables and his potential. If he puts it together, if he can fluently get in and out of his breaks, learn how to run routes better, you're going to have 
a superstar. Right now, you can throw him on the field and just have him run fly routes. He's going to run past your DBs. You're not going to be able to guard this man one-on-one in press coverage. He's going to run by your corner unless you have safety help. So right away, he can do something. He's going to draw attention away from another receiver right off the bat. That's with all the other things that he needs to work on. Is it a gamble? Yes. But it's one that could pay off in a major way. And that's why he is my number one receiver. And that's why I do think he's still going to go in the first round in the top 10. Some people are saying, oh, he just bumped his stock up to top 10. Or he just bumped his stock up to top 15. He was already there for me. Okay, Like I said, I mocked him at Detroit at number 8. I don't think I'm going any higher right now in any other mock um, I have going forward. I think that's a good spot for him. But, you know, could he go higher? He could. You know, well, he's going to be a talk the next few weeks. That's that's for sure. That's for sure. Um, let's wrap this up with uh, some defense. You were, you heard all about Montez Sweat, the edge out of Mississippi State. Ran the 40 in 4.4 seconds, 21 reps. The guy is six foot six, two hundred and sixty pounds. Very good broad and vertical jump as well. Uh, again, he's somebody who people are saying, "Oh, he he climbed his way into the top 15. Well, in my first mock draft, I already had him in there. I had him at number twelve going to Green Bay. So these guys are backing up what I already thought. And I, if anything, I think maybe they have helped. You know, obviously helped themselves uh, more in the end. Brian Burns out of Florida State, another big guy, 6'5", 250. He, uh, he ran a very good 40 at 4.53 and a, a great broad jump, a great vertical jump. His stock is rising for sure. Some people even have him as the number one defensive end in the draft, which would be very interesting. Um, Quinnen Williams, you know, some people are saying, oh, well, he's he had a great combine. He's improved his stock. Well, he's already the number two. Okay, behind Joey Bosa. So, yeah, he could go number one. He could be the top defensive uh, lineman available in this draft. So if he did anything, it's he moved himself up ahead of Bosa. Some honorable mentions. Rashawn Gary out of Michigan and Ed Oliver, defensive tackle out of Houston. And while we were on the air, Grady Jarrett, of the Atlanta Falcons is being reported that they will franchise tag him. Okay, defensive tackle. Grady Jarrett of Atlanta will be franchise tag. So a lot happening over the next few weeks. The legal tampering period begins March 11th. The official league year begins on the 13th. Uh, I didn't break down what happened at the combine with the uh, defensive backs and safeties. I apologize about that. Please let me know if there's anybody you feel I missed on my winners and losers. Uh, you can hit me up on Twitter at RichPFantasy or at FantasyShed underscore com. Of course, give us a like on Facebook at Facebook.com slash FantasyShed. Thanks again for listening to Fantasy Shed on air. Next time, we'll probably be talking about some free agent destination predictions. Have a good day.